0: Well, the world Coffee Over Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And today on the show, we have got author, best-selling author, as a matter of fact, public speaker, mentor, podcaster, D.C. Gomez Um, This is a a great conversation You're going to want to get into it We talk about all kinds of things We talk about depression We talk about cancer We talk about military service And travel And uh, being born abroad And there's all kinds of All kinds of really, really fascinating stuff And we're going to get into that Uh, But before we do I have a little housekeeping up top So Uh if you have been trying to get into the meetup that's, that I've been advertising on this uh, and you had a hard time last week, I do apologize. Uh, there was an influx of people that we reached a critical mass. It was just too many people to let in. Uh, we are working that out and it should be fixed now. Be a, there's uh, you know Zoom permissions and stuff like that. I don't want to get into all that technical stuff. But if you had a hard time getting in last week, try again this week. Um, And that meetup again is, if you go to meetup.com and look for Coffee Over Suicide, there is a meetup. It is not recorded. It is just a group of people getting together uh, to listen, uh, to hold space, uh, share with each other. You don't have to talk. If you don't want to talk, you can just come, hang out, and listen. I only ask... That if you are going to show up, that you try to show up on time. gets distracting when people start popping in, uh, you know, in the middle of people's stories and whatnot. Uh, So I may make you wait in the waiting room until it's a good time to bring somebody in if you do show up late. But I will let you in. That's Coffee Over Suicide, the group at meetup.com. So I've been talking a lot about the ongoing saga of the growing and uncontrollable anxiety. Uh, If you've got any suggestions about anxiety, I would be down to hear them. Send them to info at coffeeoversuicide.com. I was always sort of a depression guy, uh, never really very much of an anxiety guy. And so I didn't really ever have to deal with that before. But Here we are. Everything makes me anxious. Going out in public, seeing other people, seeing people that I'm comfortable around. I'm no longer comfortable. Uh, I don't know what it is. I think that it could be exacerbated by this medication. Just for reference, I am on Welbutrin and Abilify. So if you've had these experiences, I want to hear from you. Let me know. Info at coffeeoversuicide.com. But enough about me. Uh, if you want to find out more about DC Gomez, go to dcgomez-author.com. There's all kinds of links there to the various books, uh, and you would be surprised at the the breadth of things that are available uh, on this website. There's a whole lot of stuff. There's something for everybody, I think. Uh, Also, you can check out her podcast, which is called Inside the Minds of Authors, uh, where each and every Friday, they are fun and inspiring conversations that provide listeners with an inside look at the creative process of books, as well as the charisma of authors. Very charismatic people. And you're about to find that out. Let's get into this conversation with the amazing and charismatic DC Gomez. DC Gomez, hello.
1: How are you?
0: I am fantastic today. Uh I have um a brand new coffee pot uh which is always which is always nice. New coffee pots are exciting, but uh this one has a grinder built into it. And so you do
1: I'm super curious. I'm like, how does that work? Like, do you actually get to grind it beforehand and yeah. automatically goes in your coffee pot or do you still have to like move it around? How does that work?
0: No, no, no. It just, it, it, it's uh, it's a fun little thing where the grinder is built right in. You put the beans in it and then it shoots it into the filter basket.
1: Okay. That is super cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'll be the kids just trying to see it do it. It's like, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So first thing, where am I talking to you from?
1: I am in East Texas. So I am in our Ar- border of Arkansas and Texas. So I'm in Texarkana right now.
0: Oh, wow. Well, what's the weather like?
1: Well, I moved to Texas because I thought it would be warm. And as uh-uh. I've been told, it's about 45 and cold. So I'm like, I think it lied to me. So yes.
0: Yeah, it's been that way in California lately, too. So I kind of feel like there's been some bait and switch going on.
1: <laughs> it's a lie.
0: So uh l- let's uh, let's go all the way back. I want to I want to I- get to know the picture of the full person. So first of all like growing up like what kind of kid were you? So
1: I am originally from the Dominican Republic, so I, I got to put that into perspective. Moved yeah. to moved to Salem, Massachusetts, so between 10 through 18 went to school in New York City, and then I joined the military. So the kid, I'm very much ADD in terms of like, I can't stay still. I am very, as my mom says, don't quite think too hard about my decisions. I make a decision, I'm going to go with it. She's like, do you yeah. analyze it? I'm like, I do. So it's probably not as long as she wants me to do. So <laughs> very spontaneous. I was a, probably a very, for the most part, easy-go-lucky kind of kid with Mm -hmm. a very goal-oriented kind of mindset, which is a very odd combination for a child. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was... So, what was that like in the Dominican Republic? What what do you remember about that?
1: Uh, I was about 10 and a half when I left. So, it was probably night and day. It's going from a tropical island that is absolutely beautiful, that it is a village to raise a child, to going to Massachusetts, was truly very different, besides the weather, let's be honest. Like, my parents moved us when I was, like, in October. Basically, like, you're still wearing shorts and t-shirts, I hang out in Dominican Republic, and then you go into Salem, where everything's dead. So the first thing out of the plane you look is, like, water and cemeteries. I'm like, I'm going to hell. I think that was my first impression of the States was like, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I, I, it was not pretty. It wasn't anything exciting. I, I remember beautiful beaches, you know, the whole water that is like Pirates of the Caribbean kind of water. Yeah. The breathtaking sceneries. Even the parts of Dominican Republic, that most people think very thorough world countries, are still beautiful. And you move to the States where it's much more now concrete jungles and everything of that it it was a very different understanding of the culture and how much people should stay with themselves like in Dominican Republic people should be very you know national oriented and we're touching and we're doing stuff like Holy Week people go from house to house like Halloween picking up like desserts because that's what you do (laughs) here it's like huh. So my I think Halloween is probably my favorite holiday because it's the closest you get to the island in that whole life people coming together in this community yeah. and doing these things. everything else was like, wait what we don't have this free party for Christmas like what what, what <laughs> does that mean
0: like <laughs> well how is there's that a coldness possible? there's a coldness to 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 east to the east coast that that, that sometimes people can have you know there's uh this uh, just sort of I think that it may. I, I've always wondered if it's maybe the weather that that makes people, you know, just a little bit standoffish, just a little bit kind of, you know, in themselves. Like, each spot sort of breeds its own culture, right? And, and every time I've been in Massachusetts, it's, it's got its own flavor. You know, much like Texas has its own flavor. I, I mean, each state kind of has its own thing going on. But the thing that I find pretty unique to the East Coast is, you know, that sort of stoic, uh, I can handle any problem. And at the same time, uh, you know, that that sometimes you'll get that attitude from people that's like, oh, you think you're better than me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's,
1: it's a very strange place in terms of just being progressive. You're very conservative. I don't think anybody yeah. sees Massachusetts that way. I'm like, it's extremely conservative. Yeah. It still has those really strong Puritan values, which is kind of fun. But at the same time, any time you have to wear layers to go somewhere, people are miserable. Let's yeah. be honest. And winter is eight months out of the year, so you have this temperature change, and people tend to be much more into themselves in terms of like they can't go out, you can't go do things. Yeah. I tell my parents because my parents are still in Massachusetts. Our joke is like, hey, that thing that you you know comes with twice. Two weeks out of the year, you call summer. is coming. They're like, I hate you. I was like, you just don't have a summer. So while I have eight months of summer in Texas, my parents have eight summers, you know, eight months of winter. So we compare notes and I tend to make fun of them. I was like, I think you did something bad in your other lives because you're paying for your sins because that's a lot of snow. Yeah. (laughs) All the time.
0: Yeah, I, I I originally came from Michigan, and I've I, I used to tour around a lot with a band, and so I you know a, a few times, um, that you know maybe once once or once or twice a year, doing the East Coast tour thing uh, every year or so, hitting hitting Massachusetts, and I, I I really like, uh, especially when you've traveled around. Like I mean, you've been you've been in the military, so you know a little bit about traveling around. Um, it's, it's like, there's something to getting out of the place that you're from and, and immersing yourself into something entirely different. And if you're open to it, you can really see some amazing things. So uh, talk, talk to me a little, uh, just a little bit about that. Like what was, what were some of your greatest, um, travel memories of just any of the places you might've been?
1: One of the things that I'm finding very blessing and it's, it's that interesting for most people to believe is as an immigrant and coming to the States very young, having to uproot and move to another country just gives you an advantage of just being able to travel and yeah. fitting in. I tell people I am a citizen of the world with yeah. mul- you know, multicultures, multi-languages, but I have found that I enjoy traveling as I got old and got out of the military, like I needed a root place, like I needed a home base so that I can go and travel. So as an author, now I get to do tons of conventions and I'm going next year, I'm going all over the country, which is exciting. But I love people, which is interesting because I'm an introvert. So I love people in small
0: portions.
1: (laughs) The smaller, the better. But it's so much fun just to see people's traditions and see how they interact and see what they love about the place that they're at. So that to me is always very interesting. And it doesn't matter the part of the country. What I realize is once people make roots, it's like creating that tribe. It's hard for them to move. It is hard for them to get up and say, okay, I'm going to go cross-country. And I've seen it from Salem. I've seen it from Texarkana and anywhere else in between, even in New York City. Like if you're in the East Village, they're not going uptown. Like they're right. not migrating. You're like, it's only a train ride away. But it is that concept that we're very tribal. As yeah. a species, we tend to stay within our close group. We rarely go out. And when we do, it becomes an adventure. Like, I joke with everyone because we Dominicans are not into long drives, at least my parents' generation and I, for the most part. (laughs) And everybody's like, really? It was like, well, think about it. If you live in an island and you drive five hours anywhere, you're going to hit the ocean. So anything over four hours for my parents was like, oh, my God, I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, it's Texas. We haven't left my side of Texas. Like, we have not made it past dallas like every time we have to go somewhere it's like okay so i'm going to houston they're like on purpose I'm like yes like, <laughs> like i have to go to houston <laughs> so it becomes like the adventures of driving and every single person in texas looks at me and's like you know that's not that far i was like yes when it takes you a whole day to cross the state you have a different perspective of driving and when everything is an hour to two away you're not thinking about it in right. massachusetts Four hours takes you to New York City. And you're like, you know, I've right. crossed four states and still driving. And <laughs> you go, Yeah. So, so there's a magic about it. There is an absolute beauty about it. And sometimes I think as a country, we take it for granted. We take for granted that we have all the seasons, that we have all the different, you know, landscapes. And you can go from a desert to snow fields and all, all this without leaving the states. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah. come on, guys, it's beautiful. But we get so close-minded in our own little space and where we have and what we have to do. Like today is like my list of things to do. And I'm like, why do I care if none of this gets done?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's the worst happens if I don't do laundry today? Nothing. Right. That would be closed for next week. Oh, well.
0: But so where does that come from? I mean, that, that mindset of... uh uh because because that mindset of being able to take a look at your list of things that needs to be able to get done and to be able to just sort of go you know all all right you know if, if this gets done that'll be great if it doesn't get done i can forgive myself or whatever and move on where does where does that kind of mindset come from where did you always have that sort of you know easy resilience
1: i am as my brother calls it, my superpower is I am overly determined. You know, yeah. I'm persistent to the core. Unfortunately to a fault. Like I'm going to be persistent to the point of people's like, okay, stop it. This is not gonna get somewhere. I can say my attitude truly changed probably about twelve years ago, give or take. Twelve to ten years ago, I had thyroid cancer. So mm. my entire life switched. I went from fairly like even kill. Like I don't think people understand how much your thyroid affects us, like everybody's suffering to some form of thyroid. Like, like everybody talks about your appendix. I'm like, why didn't we talk about an important gland? Like something that actually has some controlling value in my life. It wasn't until I had thyroid cancer, thyroid got removed. And at that time, the process for actually dealing with it was very different than it is now. So I went from like six weeks with no thyroid medicine to having a complete an utter meltdown. And it took years to get me out of that space. So how did that mindset change? Honestly, a lot of work. It's something that I had to be intentional. Like I would like to tell you like, oh, something snapped in a blink of an eye just <laughs> transcended into this. That would be a lie. That would be absolutely denial. I had to work at it. I truly had to spend it in the last five to 10 years. It has been a very much soul journey. I, Most people's like, you know, I'm finding myself like not really finding ourselves is coming to ourselves is coming home because we're never truly lost. We're a little bit disoriented and we lose sight of who we are. We lose sight of the good things. We get so caught up with all the madness of our days. So when that happened and having to adjust and having to have tons of health issues and for anybody who's listening, Dominicans are not very... mm, in tune with health culture in terms of <laughs> mental health is not something so no. i found my oh my god i found myself having to educate my parents and having to educate my family when i was going through depression because in still our culture is so misunderstood they're like well nothing's wrong with you why are you depressed yeah. Call a chemical imbalance <laughs> i'm sorry to inform you they're like but your life is great once again <laughs> sorry to inform you so i found myself having to validate and justify and even once i got out of my you know why are you picking on me high horse and realize oh you don't get it this doesn't make sense to you because in our culture for the longest times as the health you know mental health became like you're just crazy put them in a yeah. the corner and let them be There was no treatment. There is no conversations. There's no healing. There's no anything in terms of like, that's not a Dominican disease. I'm like, really? That's lovely. So if you don't have a support system, you go outside your box. Like, how did you find it? So I have been doing meditations for years now. And because I'm an extremist, you know, like you can't just do meditations. You have to become a meditation instructor. Don't ask me why. (laughs) This is the world that I live in. So having to just give myself grace having to say you know what i have 50 things to do today and if i don't get it done nobody's gonna die including me so yeah this is gonna be late it would be okay so it's one of those things of just having to give yourself grace every day because it doesn't just happen one day and you're good every day you're going through the same things and going okay that didn't work out let's try it again
0: so with having uh, uh, with with having that that sort of mindset be something that you had to cultivate and it and mental health not being part of the conversation growing up or anything like that what does what does the depression manifest like like when it happens like what do you think is what do you think is happening when you first noticed it
1: I am now I can tell you because I, I can see my triggers you know I am yeah prior, I'm prior military so add some PTSD to my bubble because you know I, it's not enough just to have you know health issues just add uh-huh. a little bunch of triggers I find myself it's almost a very strong version of a burnout and sometimes I think that's the easiest way to explain it to people, you know, yeah. you start becoming tired. You, you have the physical conditions before, you know, your mental state hits you, you become lethargic. You know I mean? The things that, simple things like the things that you, normally you would want to do, you just don't want to do. You know, you don't want to talk to people that you're normally excited about. You don't want to do anything. Everything is like, ugh. You know, so it is slowly realizing that, A, if you start feeling physically tired, stop, because you're going down that path. And then your mind starts playing. It's, think of back in the days, because now I know people have no idea. Think of a record. Yeah. You know, I have a record player because I love it. But think anytime the record gets stuck and it was like, mm. and no matter how much you push this needle, it's like literally you feel like a DJ. Like, and that's yep. really what it feels like. We have over 80,000 thoughts in our mind. So think about it, And 90% of them were thinking the same thing over and over. So meditation helped me to see that. I was like, Imagine thinking the same negative thoughts 80,000 times. It is very, very difficult to get unstuck unless you realize like, okay, I'm not well. The best thing for me to realize was to be like, "Mm, this is not me and actually be able to talk to myself and be like, okay, we did it. We did it again. Got it. We went down the rabbit hole, check the box. (laughs) it doesn't feel good and sometimes i think we're trying to validate it and we want it to feel good like we are trying to make it look pretty I, I call it the paul effect like we want to have this grace to go through this turmoil and do it so pretty sometimes yeah. it just has to be messy just go through it you don't yeah. have to do these things pretty
0: yeah no completely and, and the, the fact that the fact that you're uh your state and your triggers and i mean as you grow and change as a human being so does your depression <laughs> it it comes with you and it and it mutates and it changes into another thing and you know some maybe one day you wake up and you realize that the coping mechanisms that you've been carrying around and relying on for so long they're just not doing the job anymore and it's time to it's time to spread some new tools on the blanket and see what's mm-hmm. what And that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely okay.
1: One of the hardest things is that we want the things that worked yesterday to work every day. And it doesn't. And I think sometimes we get so caught up when we change, or even better, when the people around us change. So my family has Mm. a hard time understanding that I'm not the same person I was ten years ago. That the things that make me smile are different. I'm like, so we have no issues when little kids grow up, right? Nobody's saying that one-year-old needs to stay one for the rest of their lives, right? We're good. The kid that turned five, we're excited. Somehow, once we hit like 19 and our bodies are no longer changing, we expect this person to stay the same. Like somehow my family still thinks that a 10-year-old that said wanted to be a doctor. She still wants to be a doctor. It's like, I hate blood. What makes you think I want to do that? (laughs) But we get so caught up in the idea that we're supposed to stay the same. That we don't give ourselves permission to grow. We don't give ourselves permission to change our minds. We think we have to stay in the same conditions, in the same situations, over and over. It's like, you're not that person. That person yeah. that made that mistake two, three years, two hours ago is gone. And if you don't believe it, take a picture. Look at it you know two years later. Do you look the same? No. So be okay with changing. So that's usually hard especially for humans, because we want people to remain who they are. And when they change their mind, then we get mad at them. Like, well, you weren't like that two years ago. I'm like, well, that's a good thing. Like, do you really (laughs) want to be the same one?
0: Yeah. You know, I get that a lot of times when, when I go home, you know, people can, people can fall into their old dynamic. All right. Yeah. Terribly sorry about the technical difficulties today. This is a, just uh a real lesson in rolling with it <laughs> it's me it's totally me <laughs> yeah it's uh uh so for for the listener there was a a gap there um that's because my computer crashed in the middle of this so uh <laughs> i i hope we didn't miss anything important but you know what let me get into this because this is something that i really want to know about when did you first discover writing
1: I usually tell everybody I'm a storyteller, have been a storyteller since I can remember. I joined Mm -hmm. the military right after college. So I went to school for filmmaking. So joined the military and the part of the world that most people kind of get a little confused is 2001 is when I joined. So I joined in July, September 11 happened.
0: Mm -hmm. So my entire
1: world switched. So I went from thinking i'm joining the military so i can meet people learn about people write scripts about all this to becoming a soldier and being focused on that and wanting to do everything i can to protect people to take care of people to do all those things to protect my family so yeah. think about 15 years in this world of okay this is what i'm gonna to do to finding myself I'm sick and tired and I'm miserable of everything I'm doing. And I hate everything I'm doing. I've literally had that moment. It's like, Oh, just hate everything. But I wasn't following my path. I wasn't following my dreams. I wasn't following my God given purpose of being a storyteller. So five, six yeah. years ago, I finally got to the point that I was sick and tired and something had to give. So there we go. I started writing and, Writing novels very different than writing stories and scripts and, and visual medium. But it's still mm-hmm. beautiful and it's still powerful. So I kind of went into this journey of like, hey, I can do this where I'm at. Without having to move, without having to need an entire crew. Don't need as much money as I would to make any short videos. And I can still tell stories.
0: Yeah. So uh, with with all of that, like, how did you, how did you find yourself getting started and what were the, what, what was one of the main benefits that you discovered that maybe you weren't expecting to that came out of writing?
1: One of the things I take for granted is how therapeutic it is and how much you're going over your own demons in your stories. I kind of joke about it. I have a new release this week and I have is two shapeshifters and both assassins and they both hate being assassins and, One of my main characters happens to be a Dominican shapeshifter who is an assassin. And I swear I thought my journey was going to take me, you know, I'm writing about her, her relationship with her family, the dynamics of all these Dominicans. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to find and plurge a lot of these demons through Sasha. And it wasn't it. It wasn't that at all. Like Sasha has a complicated life, but she moves on. She's moving fine in her world. I found myself having a lot of the pieces that I'm dealing with in my life through Eric. And where he fits and what people see and what he truly is. So writing to this day, and I've been writing for years, blows my mind how much of us is in it. And it's usually that subconscious level that's in it. It's never really the part that we see yeah. in the surface. Because I did not see any of this until I went back inside the editing. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did we get there? <laughs> Why is that there? When did I put that there? Yeah. So it was very, very much like, okay, did not see that coming. So writing, and I think any creative world, whether you're painting like or doing music, whenever you go back and look at it, you find yourself going, oh, did not see that happening. Did not see myself in that purpose and kind of purging and kind of letting those things out.
0: That's one of the things that I really like about, uh, Uh, About making art and a thing that I think a lot of people don't have uh, uh, a familiarity with, but it's that ability to even surprise yourself Uh, where you'll you'll be writing something, you'll have something in mind and something will come out of nowhere, almost as if uh, it came from someone else and you can make yourself laugh. Or you can make your you can make yourself uh, exuberant with joy. Like, look at this thing that just happened. Where did that come from?
1: And it happens all <laughs> the time. That ability
0: to surprise yourself. Yes. Yeah.
1: It happens all the time. I think as a writer, I'm much more comfortable telling people these stories that are not mine. I feel like I'm taking dictations. And it might be dictations from yeah. the universe, God, wherever you want to believe. But as you mm-hmm. go back and you realizing, I think most writers would tell you, you know, readers know better the books than we do. Because once we put them on the page, you know, it's not that part of us. It's already become its own separate entity. So readers can quote things and you're like, I wrote that? That's in the book? What page is that? Like, what are you talking about? So it is that journey of creation. I think this is the closest thing you can get to the mind of God is when you're creating. It is the closest thing of bringing this universe together and giving people an outlet to find themselves. I tell a lot of my readers, as I. They're not really my books. I'm just a caretaker. These are your family. I'm here to make sure they don't die and you kill me. That's my job. Don't kill the writer. (laughs) I'm just here for moral support.
0: Well, and it's amazing the way that you can get really invested in these characters uh, as if they're people. And they're all just pieces of you.
1: Very different pieces and very different pieces of or surroundings, I think, when it comes to writing, yeah. whether you're listening to an audiobook or you have a book, think about it. It is the most personal connection you're going to have. It's the only thing we take yeah. to bed with us that hasn't living in your house. So, you know, you're taking these books right. with you everywhere. You love them. I've met people who adore books. Like, they're picky about how they are. The books cannot be damaged. And you're going, that's a lot of commitment. You do know it's just a bunch of dead trees. Like, <laughs> it would be okay. Yeah. But words mean something, and they give us an escape, and they give us a place to find ourselves. That sometimes, as the author, we forget that we're first readers. You know, we got into this because we love stories, and we love these worlds. that we want to give them back to other people.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with me today and uh, dealing with all of my technical difficulties uh, I sincerely appreciate it. And I hope that you come back.
1: I would love to. And you're doing fabulous with technical difficulties. Trust me. 90% <laughs> of the time it's like it's an operator error. I have not clicked a button somewhere. and It is not working out. I know this. <laughs> it's my life. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Chris, for having me. It has been such a lovely conversation. So I really appreciate you.
0: Wasn't that excellent? I really got to have her back on. That was a phenomenal conversation. Uh, so deep so much going on, so much to mine to, to really get into. And we didn't nearly even scratch the surface, I don't feel. So we're definitely going to want to have her back. If you want to get some more DC in your life, and I know that you do, don't forget to check out her podcast, Inside the Minds of Authors, each and every Friday. You can also go to dcgomez Dash author.com and find out all the latest on where she's going to be next what books she's got coming out and what else is going on in her very very interesting life as for me i'll be doing this podcast uh each and every friday as well so don't forget to subscribe and until next week don't kill yourselves out there